When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Matt Perino, Ryan Talbot. And I gotta look up a little bit. Joe Biscalia. <laughs> Sorry the for house, the hype. Here at Wingnuts, testing out a new live audio for everybody here inside Frog Brewery, 700 Military Road. If you're within driving distance, I highly recommend coming out here tonight. We just crushed a bu- bunch of wings, had a couple beers. Actually, I abstained today before the show because I thought that was a good idea. Um, we got a bunch of things to get into tonight. This is the official Shout Draft preview show. And to do this show, we decided we were going to put seven scenarios together to discuss, to see what Brandon Bean will do if he's in this situation. Uh, Ryan, how are you, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great. Always excited to be here at Wing Nuts. Uh, looking forward to talking about the draft, Matt. I've been waiting to have you out at one of these for a while. You finally agreed. I got you out of your uh, bunker. Your bunker. Yeah. Yeah. How are yeah, you, buddy? That's the thing. I'm good. I'm good. I'm sorry I stole Ryan's mic. That, that's, that's, that's the biggest, uh, biggest thing here. So the one thing I told you before the show, I said, eat that microphone. I'm trying. Can you eat it? Oh. Thank you. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the show as well. Let me borrow this microphone for just one second. I'm going to ask you to step out for a moment, and I'm going to ask you to step out for a moment. I'm going to bring the OGs in here, the originators, the owners of Wing Nuts, the inventors of Wing Nuts, I should say. How are you guys? Come on I'm in good. here. How are you? I'm going to actually have you hold this for me. <laughs> so we've been out here. I want to bring you on before we started the show. Because we've been out now to froth, uh, I think this is probably our fifth or sixth show, and it's a big night if you're watching at home. We're officially announcing that Wing Nuts is the official chicken wing of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. We are so excited to join That's forces. Awesome. Thank you. Welcome to the family. We feel like we're part of the family now. We really appreciate it. We have so much fun out at these events. Thank you so much. You are welcome, and you are part of the family, so be part of the family. (laughs) What? (laughs) I will. I will. (laughs) Let me ask you this. I mean, obviously, football and chicken wings, they just go together, right? I mean, you go walk through the tailgates. You want to hold this one for me? You walk through the tailgates out at the stadium, and you see everybody frying up some wings, but I feel like Wing nuts on location would be just amazing. You ever, you ever delivered? We've already done a Bills game. You've done a Bills game? Yes, we have. What happens there? This was absolutely crazy. We did a, a, a private party for a tailgate guy who hired us. Mm-hmm. But the people at his party, did not enough of them showed up. Mm-hmm. So he told us when he was going into the game, cook all the wings and just give them away to people in the parking lots. Well... I did that. I took a big tray of wings and I was walking through the lot 
And I am telling you, I know what it's like to be molested <laughs> because hands were just all over emptying that tray within seconds. It was gone. I walked back to where we were cooking and there was a whole line of people marching behind me. When we got to where the cook was, I took two more trays of wings, one in each hand, held them out. And it was like watching piranha. It was just, they were gone in seconds. That's how I feel every time I do this show here. I try to I try to eat as many as I can before we start. AJ usually brings them out to me, and look how many are left. I was sharing them with my intern, Anthony, the producer. We got through five. I, I felt like a piranha. I was trying to get as many down as I could. Size, sauciness, and crunch, baby. Very nice. Yep. Very nice. Well, thank you so much for having us, for partnering with us. We're so appreciative, and uh, it's the start of a beautiful relationship. It certainly is, and thank you for having us every time you do this. Indeed, indeed. All right, I'm going to bring Ryan and Joe back into the mix here. we got a lot to talk about tonight. The Bills are going to add potentially six new players to the roster in less than two weeks. The draft, your favorite time of year? It's one of them. It, it's, it, one of them. it's up there. Training camp for me is, is pretty good, too. So we talked about – oh, there's, there's your cousin. He's here. Notre Dame, one, two, three, wants Michael Mayer in the first round. Tight end out of Notre Dame. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But draft season in general, we, we spend so much time from the end of the season to the start of the draft preparing for this. Where do you feel like your level of preparation is at here as we set up less than two weeks out? I'm probably around like 90, 95% at this Ooh. point. I mean – it, it gets to a certain point where you just continue to analyze everything and then you rethink everything that you thought in the first place. So it's it's always good that it comes around at end of April. So you're like, okay, it's time that it's here. We're good. It's time for a clean slate here. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's fun because I can work myself into just about any idea for draft time. So the big theme of this show is at pick number 27, you know, Brandon B might very well have some good options to select from, right? But he might not as well. And so we're going to talk about the decision that he is going to have, whether to be aggressive, maybe move up and get a guy, or maybe move back. And if he does stay at number 27, who are the best case scenarios? Now, we put together seven scenarios. We were talking about it. I sent them over to Joe before we started. So why don't you start us off, Ryan? What is the first potential draft scenario for Brandon Bean that we cooked up? Yeah, so listen, the first overall scenario that uh, Matt and I cooked up for this show is every wide receiver is available to the Bills. Mm. Everyone. Now, there's a trade-up scenario. I believe, Matt, you said it was uh, around pick 21 or 22. 20, 20 sorry, 20 to the Seahawks. Because? At 21, the Chargers could go for a wide receiver. So, sit, uh, scenario one, if you're Brandon Bean, do you stay put where you're at? Or is this a spot where you move up and you get aggressive to try to get your wide receiver of choice? Well, I think for me, if you're going up to 20 uh, with Seattle, that would probably take your third round pick, correct? Yes. And I don't know that you're getting a pick back. I would have to check the, the trade value chart in that, for instance. But that, to me, in a year where they only have six picks, that is a little bit too cumbersome of a trade, at least if if I'm trying to channel the mind of Brandon Mean, just because he likes to have a full slate of draft picks every single year. He likes to have seven. If he doesn't have seven, he wants to get seven. So for me, I think that might be a little bit too high of a step up. I think if they're going to trade up, it's probably in the 23, 24 range where they flip maybe their third round pick, but they get a later round pick back just to keep the even bank. So I want to talk specifically about the player in sure. this scenario because Jackson Smith and Jigba is one of several top-tier wide receivers that have been to Buffalo on a visit. So the Bills are doing their due diligence at this spot, and they should be. I mean, adding a potential weapon to the fold here for Josh Allen I think should at least be a consideration. But let's start here, Ryan. Jackson Smith and Jigba, what do you like about it, and is it worth that specific skill set? I'm going to get your take on this in a moment to move up and give up other draft capital? No, and, and I'm going to kind of keep it short and sweet here. Uh, it goes back to what Joe said about analyzing and reanalyzing these players. And when I sit here, yes, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba might be the best wide receiver in this draft class. 
But back in January, it was Addison. And then Zay Flowers all of a sudden is being talked about as wide receiver one. I'm not sure that there's one specific receiver that is head and shoulders better than the rest. And I think that if you stay put at 27 in this first scenario and, you, you know, your goal is to get a pass catcher for Josh Allen, one, you could still get the guy that you like most. It might be a field stretcher like Jalen uh, Hyatt. It might be a Zay Flowers, a separator. I don't like any wide receiver enough in this draft class to make that bold of a move. Well, Jackson Smith and Jigba, to me, is a pretty legit prospect. I, I, you know, He's probably going to be based as a slot receiver, but that doesn't matter from a Bills perspective because they run so much 11 personnel that you know three receivers are basically your starters. Ooh, so, we're going to talk about that in a little while. Stay tuned. About <laughs> personnel packages. We're really going to get in the weeds with you in a little while, buddy. I, I love it. Um, I think for me, it would not necessarily dictate that they wouldn't take him because I do think he can play the boundary. That's not that's not something without outside of his skill set to where you're like, okay, well, if you go and do more too tight end stuff, is he going to be able to stay on the field? I think leaps and bounds. I I would say he's the top guy available at, at receiver this year. You know, does he have a little bit less flexibility from the inside to outside of some other guys? Yes, but I don't know. I to me, if if he was there at 27, I'm jumping on it in a heartbeat. Moving up, I think. Maybe, like I said earlier, going up to 23, 24 would be the most I would do personally. But I think this is all the moot point because I think he's going to be long gone by that point. Right. And that's the most important part of it. And it's also going to be another – I'll save it for later. I don't want to skip ahead to another scenario. <laughs> but with Smith and Jigbo, if we're talking about from a tiering perspective, yeah. you know, a lot of Bills fans, we had this conversation right before we started with a couple people about what the expectations are for this draft from a fan's perspective. And a lot of the, the thought process is, all right, offense or bust. Go out and get weapons for Josh Allen, protection for Josh Allen. That's all people seem to want, or at least a, a segment of the fan base. If you're tiering the receivers, you mentioned Jackson Smith and Jigba being a legit process. Where do Flowers, Addison, Quinton Johnston, and even maybe a Jalen Hyatt fall into the mix? Yeah, I, th I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is number one for me. Um, I don't know. In his own tier? That, to me, if you're in your own tier, you have to be like top of the line. So I would probably take him, bring him a little bit closer down to where, you know, we're talking about Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison. Um, those two guys to me are also really good prospects. Jordan Addison, he's just so much fun to watch if you are a wide receiver snob because what he does on film and his footwork, I mean, it's legit. That's you. Um, how he manipulates defenders in his breakdowns it's all there the trouble with him though is the size because 171 pounds where are you putting him i don't think the bills care about size for receiver i mean they have gone out they signed deontay hardy they have stefan diggs as their number one he's not really a big receiver um i don't think it would necessarily rule jordan addison out just because he's 171 pounds like it is for some other guys because he does so many things well and the thing that is so interesting about him is you watch him on film and it's like it's stylistically very similar to what Steph does and just how he sets up defenders and how he can gain that separation like that I snapped my fingers if you couldn't hear in the microphone um he he to me is number two and then Zay Flowers is just like uh, super explosive you think oh he's a small guy five foot nine like he's not he's not going to be able to win down the field that's that's his whole game he, he can play on the perimeter he can play in the slot I think that's that's the case for both of these guys. They they can do all of that, and the the reason why I like both of them for the Bills is because you have that flexibility between them and Diggs because Diggs can play the slot as well. So to me, I think it all kind of goes into one bucket where these guys all fit kind of the same way. Whereas the other two guys you brought up, Quentin Johnston and Jalen Hyatt, do things a little bit differently. So Hardy and uh, Trent Sherfield the free agent acquisitions for the Bills. Ryan, let's talk a little bit about the importance of the position in the draft on the other side of that. Because I think there's a real path to a role for both of those players. And I think you you got Khalil Shakir coming back, who I think you saw a lot of good things, although it was in uh, a very small quantity last season. So where does, with Gabe Davis going into a contract here, Stefan Diggs still under contract, those two additions, where does a potential Addison, 
Smith and Jigba, Zay Flowers fit into the mix for you? You know, you want to get these rookies larger roles, but that has not been a Buffalo Bills thing these past few seasons. You mentioned, uh, obviously, the wide receiver this past season, but look at Kyrie Elam, a cornerback. Looked like he had a starting job that he should have locked up. They didn't get him onto the field. They didn't get their third-round pick, Terrell Bernard, onto the field. So there's no guarantee that one of these wide receivers, even if it's a top-tier guy, is going to get on the field when you have Stephon Diggs, you have Gabe Davis, uh, you have Khalil Shakir in year two. Uh, you, you bring in these other free agent additions. Deontay Hardy, I, I think the Bills really do like. And if he didn't have that turf toe injury last year with the Saints, who knows what he could have gone for. Uh, he was listed as a breakout candidate on, on some uh, analyst articles. So he's going to have an opportunity as well here in Buffalo to kind of show what he can do. Sherfield's kind of that guy that can play special teams but also contribute as a wide receiver, uh, kind of taking over that Jake Kummerill role. But I, I think the Bills still are looking for that answer. I think there are question marks about Gabe Davis. Can he be a surefire number two for this team? Uh, we've seen all the potential drama with Stefan Diggs. And with the contract right now, he's obviously locked in. But who knows, when that day comes when they might want to try to move on, they might want to have an heir apparent in the system. What about you? I, to me, Deontay Hardy is a four. And I don't think that there's anyone on their roster right now that qualifies as a three, just to me. Khalil Shakir, I know everyone likes him. Earning targets is a skill in the NFL, and he did not earn quite a lot commensurate with the amount of playing time that he got. Right. So to me, I'm not necessarily sold on him. And if we're, if we're being honest, he was just a fifth-round pick. It's not like it was a huge investment on him. I know right. they traded up, and they're like, oh, we, we thought he, he would have went in the third round, but like, he's a fifth-round pick at the end of the day. So to me, if you can get one of these – prime prospects at 27 at wide receiver because th there is a cliff at receiver it's it's very legit there are some later guys that that are of of value like like marvin mims like tank dell like Jaden reed these sorts of sorts of guys that you can get in the second and third round but it's a it's a legitimate fall off for me from from those top three guys where they're fit overall in the Bills offense and what they could be this year. And then next year, if you let Gabe walk, that's that's really good. I don't know if any of those three guys that I'm talking about are going to be able to fill the X receiver role that Gabe Davis fills. But at the very least, you'll have two guys signed for the long term in Stephon Diggs and this receiver. And you know what you're getting out of that. And then you figure it out from there, whether it's Khalil Shakir on the outside or Deontay Hardy on the outside, or you bring in another guy that, that's kind of a cheaper free agent. So um, I don't think those two guys will stand in the way whatsoever of the Bills potentially taking a receiver at 27. Good. That wraps up this scenario nicely. <laughs> Next, we're going to move to scenario number two. All right. All the receivers that we just talked about are off the board by number pick number 22. Uh, Darnell Wright, tackle out of Tennessee, is on the board. But all the other three big tackles, Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson, and who's the other tackle I'm forgetting? Peter Skronsky, who also could be an interior player, they are all off the board. Dar Darnell Wright's kind of sticking out there. Theoretically, Baltimore, Minnesota, Jacksonville, and the Giants, and Dallas, they don't necessarily need a tackle, but it's a value position. Any one of those teams could take it. The value might be there. The Ravens are asking for a fourth-round pick this year to move up to 22. The Minnesota Vikings want a fifth in addition to, the tw to pick number 27 to go up and get Darnell Wright. Is that because of what's transpired with Spencer Brown over the first two years of his career? Is that a position that you're placing an emphasis on and being willing to move up and give up an additional draft pick to go get a guy, if you believe in him, he was also in for a top 30 visit? I will answer your question with another question. Good. Am I answering this as me or Brandon Bean? You're answering this as Brandon Bean? No. Okay. Because I believe that Brandon Bean has a, a really... I don't, I don't know if it's like a soft spot, but he believes in the potential of Spencer Brown. He keeps talking he, about he it. He has been asked about it twice in the offseason. I know this is not a popular thing because Bills fans, a lot of them want offensive linemen, just, just throw them out there. They want to replace Spencer Brown, get a new starter. I don't know that it's going to happen. And I don't know. I would not even be surprised if they leave the draft entirely without an offensive lineman, period. With, that is with, the with hottest take that has appeared on this show in all of our live shows at Wing Nuts, well, Joe Piscalia. And you dropped it in the first 10 minutes. Do you want me to go through the depth chart? Because I will. Do it. 
I mean, they have five starters in their mind right now, and Deion Dawkins, Connor McGovern, Mitch Morse, uh, Ryan Bates, and Spencer Brown. The fact that Brandon Bean has gone out of his way to defend Spencer Brown as much as he has in two different press conference settings that were months apart. Right. And also remember the Wyatt Teller factor, giving up on an offensive lineman too early. That's sticking in his brain. So to me, I think the way that he defended him and said, okay, this is, he had a really nice stretch down the year. He was hurt in the year. We didn't know if he, we would be able to have him. And, and we think he's going to be able to solidify that for us next year. That, those were his words. Right. So those are the five starters. Then behind them, you've got, you've got uh, David Edwards. You've got Ike Butker. Aaron Cromer guy. He yes. could, there's Aaron's a world we can live in where David Edwards and Connor McGovern are the starting guards. Right. Well, I, I do think they like Bates. But, yeah. I do too. Yeah. But maybe he's the center. But he's there. I mean, David Quesenberry just got brought back. He's not really that good. But, right. but, uh, <laughs> but they also have Tommy Doyle coming back. So I could see them taking an offensive tackle at some point. But I don't think they're held back on it. Okay. I think for the most part, they're like, okay, let's see where the board falls on day three and then go from there. What do you think, Ryan? I'll answer this one for myself and not Brandon Bean. Yes, absolutely. You move up for Darnell Wright. Spencer Brown has been a disappointment through two seasons. And while I understand what he has said at those two press conferences, he talked about uh, Brown not being able to play that final season, that COVID year. They talked about the back injury, really putting him behind the eight ball last year. He also said after the season, we need to be able to protect Josh Allen. And I, I see right tackle as a gaping hole on this offensive line, with right being the last of that elite tier. Uh, in terms of moving up to the uh, giving up a fourth or a fifth, I'm giving up the fourth because we've seen the beat, the Bills get leapfrogged before. I feel like last year, I've told you this many times, I think Trent McDuffie where this was their guy, and the Chiefs jumped up, take him off the board, they settle, they take Kyrie Elam. Uh, don't let someone give you the opportunity to, to leapfrog you again because then your hands are tied once more. So go up and get your guy if he truly is someone that you covet and you want in there as a starter in year one. Also, I think Brandon Bean has to spend some time in the lead-up to this draft thinking about what this thing could look like in two or three years. Mm -hmm. I don't think you make this pick at 27 or a trade-up to 22 thinking about 2023 only. I think you got to – I think the Wyatt Teller deal situation, if that teaches you anything, you can't draft or make roster decisions, decisions at this point based solely just on the season that you're in. And I think there's serious questions about Spencer Brown, despite how much Brandon Bean seems to believe in him. Yeah. And, I, and that place important. Like you got to, you got to believe in your guys, but I think it might be time to say, all right, like, we got to give ourselves some more options. Quick counterpoint. Brown and Dawkins are both signed through 2024. So that could also kind of erase offensive tackle from their brain. I like if it, if this were me, I'm like, okay, go out and get an offensive tackle and, and replace Spencer Brown because he need it because I don't think he was particularly good. I didn't see the flashes as much as Brandon Bean said he did. But you can only go based on tendency of the GM, what you're hearing, what you're what they're saying and everything along those lines and make the best hypothetical guess. And to me there has just been Nothing that the Bills have done this offseason that makes me believe that offensive tackle is a priority early in the draft. I think that's well said. Anything to add? No, I, I, it's a good point because, like you said, Questenberry is the one they've kind of brought back as a depth piece, wasn't yep. a very good player. So maybe they, they truly do feel as strongly about Spencer Brown as being a set. All right, let's go to um, – let's give another quick shout-out to Wayne Dodds. Did you have some wings tonight? Oh, I did. What did you have? I did the uh, – Honey sriracha barbecue. Did they blow your face off? They were great. Were they super hot? No. Oh, no. they're just like comfortable. Well, room temp. I mean, I, mean uh, I I can handle spice a little bit. So so yeah, I I, I think they, they might be the barbecue. The regular barbecue were actually kind of spicy. You really touted yourself there. No, I appreciate that. No. Yeah, I understand. What did you, what kind of beer did you have? You like the candy beers, right? I'm a I'm a uh, milkshake beer, sour beer kind of guy. Ah. IPA, yeah, but I haven't had any. Uh, out of respect. Keep it professional. I appreciate yeah. it. After the show. Maybe. Maybe. We'll After see. the show. All right. What did you have? Did you have the usual? I had the... Listen, I'm Mr. Boring, okay? Every time I come here, I order the Wing Nuts Mile because they're just the absolute best wings that I've had in Buffalo. I'm, I'm going to I wanna put them on the Mount Rushmore right now. It has nothing to do with the sponsorship either. Nothing. All right. Let's... What happened? We got a little... 
Oh, your wife needs her wallet, Ryan. <laughs> Unbelievable. What kind of wing? What kind of wings did you have tonight? I had the uh, wing nuts mild as usual. That's my go-to. You didn't spice it up at all. No, I didn't spice it up at all. All right. Well, there you have it. All right. Let's get into scenario number three. We're flying through this. Okay. So we did the mock draft the other night uh, on our show on Wednesday night, and. One scenario that could come up is all of these common players that have been talked about on Bill's Twitter and mock drafts, so on and so forth. Maybe there's a scenario where all of them are off the board at 27. Mm -hmm. So everybody that we just talked about, all the receivers, a um, couple tight ends, all the tackles, even Osiris Torrance, who is that top guard in the draft. We can get your thoughts on that in a second. They're off, all off the board. So in throw a name at us. I guess this is the scenario. Throw a name at us that maybe people aren't talking about that maybe Bills fans should get themselves comfortable with because that could be the situation. You need a trading partner if you want to move back. See, that's the one thing I see often said on, on Twitter. If somebody's not there, just trade back. Well, you need somebody that wants to come in to get somebody. Maybe there's a quarterback that falls. That happened in my mock draft that I released a couple days ago. Probably not likely. Will Levis is probably not going to be available at 27. In a hypothetical world, he was. Throw something at us that we're not expecting. Well, I think everything's kind of expected at this point right. because everyone has talked about everything. Uh, the one maybe that that uh, isn't as thought of as highly as the others, if this guy is available, Brian Branch from Alabama. Okay. Um, I don't know if he'll be on the board. I've seen some people say that he's going to go a lot lower than people are expecting. He's usually mocked within the first 20 picks, so that could be an opportunity, but... You talk about a perfect fit for their their defensive scheme and at safety and someone who could be a long-term starter, it's Brian Branch. So talk to the Bills fans that are watching this show right now <laughs> I know. with their mouths down. <laughs> okay, the Bills just re-signed Jordan Poyer. Yep. They signed Taylor Rapp, who started 48 games in the NFL. One year. They still have DeMar Hamlin, potentially. We'll see. Micah Hyde's coming back. The thought process behind – that because that almost like coincides with the tackle conversation, right? It hey. does and it doesn't because okay. Mike is done after this year. Right, his contract's up. And technically, after this year. Jordan Boyer could be done as well. Absolutely, it's a they, they, they can get out of it like very, very easily. Taylor Rapp is a is a one year deal. They can completely reset their safety position next year if they really wanted to. But I don't know that it's necessarily like a okay, go up and get this safety right now. But if he's on the board, there's a huge drop off at safety from Branch to the next guy. You're probably waiting till round three for the next guy, at, at least. So he's just instinctive playmaker. You can put him anywhere. You can find a role for him as early as this season. Like, let's say it's, it's to try and, you know, shelf the, uh, the loss of Tremaine Edmonds a little bit. It's not going to be an every down thing, but you can find a way to get him on the field for 20, 25% of defensive snaps this year by, you know, Having Jordan Poyer go down, play next to Matt Milano, having Micah High, Brian Branch be your safeties. And in addition to that, when teams are really pass heavy and, and going four wide, you can bring in Branch and take out a defensive lineman. So there are ways to get him involved. And it's kind of somewhat similar to how Carolina uh, mixed in Shaq Thompson his first year, where didn't have a defined role because they only played two linebackers. They still had Thomas Davis. They still had Luke Keekley. They uh, and they, but they really wanted him because they knew he would be good in his in their system and that he would potentially become a starter down the line. They also had him play a bunch of special teams, which is I think what what Brian Branch was doing. And if we're talking about them not being keen on playing their rookies as it is, then that's also another argument here. So Branch to me is maybe the one curveball that is a legit option here. The other the other few Mozzie Smith from Michigan, which I'm sure you you guys have have seen a, a little bit. And the linebackers, Jack Campbell and Drew Sanders, those are the only two uh, linebacker fits for me. So, okay, go ahead, throw it. I want to come back to that. <laughs> yeah, so first of all, with a branch, Joe's 100% correct that the safety class, probably the weakest positional group in this draft class, after branch, it gets really bad. So it would be a curveball, absolutely. Now, in scenario three, I was given a list of players that were still on the board. I went with Quentin Johnston. I, I don't think that uh, he gets talked about enough with the up, you know these upper tier wide receivers in this draft class. He's good after catching the ball, uh, yards after the catch. I think he's someone that I think would fit into this offense nicely. Now 
hasn't had a top 30 visit that we know of. That's been big with this Bills regime. Every year there's been an opportunity to have top 30 visits. The Bills have taken those guys in round one. Uh, but, yeah, I like Quentin Johnson in this scenario of the available players. Maz is another great option, just an athletic freak at defensive tackle. And defensive tackle is sneakily a position of need for this Bills team. They don't have guys under contract very long here uh, from top to bottom. So if you can get a Mozzie Smith in here, uh, it would make more sense than I think some fans would realize. Yeah, the defensive tackle conversation is a, a good one. I mean, they're all four projected, like, meaningful defensive tackles. They're all free agents after yeah. next season. Yeah, they're on expirings. I do think they want to bring Ed Oliver back for the long term, as some people may not like to, to hear that. Right. Ed Oliver. So to let me, me ask you this: Ed Oliver, to, hang on. Ed Oliver to me is approaching the Tremaine Edmonds level of like polarization. Polarization to where fans don't like him as much as the team does. One hundred percent agree. Yeah. And I've said that over and over again over the course. I don't think they think that there's as big of a problem with Ed Oliver nope. as anybody else does, and I think. It kind of bakes in in the same way, and I know your your eyebrows are going to raise a little bit because I think you do have more issues than most. I don't want to speak for you. Gabe Davis as oh, well. I, th like Gabe <laughs> I thought you were telling me I have issues. I'm you like, do. You well, do have a lot of issues. We're uh, getting no, deep here. You don't at all. You, you don't have issues. Um, I think that kind of bakes into the Gabe Davis conversation as well. I yeah. think on the outside, people have more issues with wide receiver two Gabe than the Bills do. I yeah. think they view him as a fine wide receiver two, right or wrong, and like, there's been some hot takes out there over the last couple of weeks about Gabe Davis maybe getting a new contract even before next season. That might shock a lot of people, but knowing the way they talk about him inside the building, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, it depends on what that deal looks like because if you, it's in kind of a sweet spot here for him and Ed Oliver both, really, because if you wait after the year and they have a great year, the price is going up. They're both at the point where, they could be potentially somewhat affordable. Right. Um, and I don't know that there's necessarily a huge salary cap concern next year as it was as it was this this offseason, just because the projected salary cap next year is, is supposed to go up by over 30 million, according to over the cap, up to 256 million. And the bills under that cap parameter would be under the cap by 1 million. You do a conversion with Josh Allen, you get you have 23 million in cap space. And you can cut Naheem Hines, you can do all this other stuff where you can re-sign both these guys and live to fight another day with with the rest of your with the rest of your team. So so yeah, I'm with you. I I absolutely believe that they could re-sign Gabe Davis to maybe like like short-term extension, 2-3 years, something along those lines and make sure that they have this this plan in place, but there's also the point of of him being a little bit inconsistent when they needed him the most, right. and that's going to reflect in his price tag. You also have to consider the wide receiver market this offseason kind of fell flat. Yeah. So the, if you let it go, then there is the potential where he's coming back on a deal that for less than maybe you thought you would be able to get him when if you were to resign him before the season starts. Jeffrey Simmons signed his extension. Yep. Reports are that Quinn and Williams is looking for in the neighborhood of 23 to 25 million per season. Hypothetical, what does an Ed Oliver contract look like? Projecting all of that, of course, and taking into account that if they don't do it before the season, they could have to pay more if he goes out and has 10 plus sacks. I'd probably think in the ballpark of Tremaine Edmonds. Okay. 18? Uh, yeah, around there, maybe a little less. Uh, but they, they can definitely they have it in their favor that his statistical production isn't there in droves as it is for these others, right. these other guys. And of course, all contracts that you sign are a projection, but to that point that you still have to factor in what the player has done before. And, you know, it, it, if it, if it were me, I'm trying to get Ed Oliver signed before the season starts. If I'm Ed Oliver, I'm not signing a thing until after the season because his value could go up like madhouse because he every single week has the potential to just take over a game. He still does a really nice job that goes very unnoticed. He's a 290-pound defensive tackle that can slide over to one technique and take on double teams, takes on a lot of double teams, stands up against the run well, had no help in that Cincinnati game, by the way, um, but he also didn't perform all that well. To me, I think – you are doing everything that you can to try and get him under contract before this year starts, but he's got potential to really to have a great year this year. I want to get the scenario four, but before we do, 
he brought up the linebackers. And I want to get into them now because at 27, if a lot of these guys are off the board, one of those guys could potentially be the pick as, okay, maybe you don't have a true first-round grade on Jack Campbell or Drew Sanders, but they fit a need in particular, and you like the player who that ends up being. We've talked a lot about Jack Campbell on the show. Drew Sanders, I think, comes with a little bit more high-end production, especially with his edge-rushing background when he was at Alabama. What are your thoughts on these two linebackers as we now move into the final few weeks? Yeah, so you, you kind of nailed it. At 27, the Bills not might not have any players on their board with a first-round grade. And when you're talking about second-round talent, there's not much of a difference between the top of the second-round talent to the end of it in terms of, like, your, your player number 25, your player number 50. So it's a need with Jack Campbell or Drew Sanders. It fits that Tremaine Edmonds role. Um, it, it fills a need where I think last year the Bills filled the need at cornerback in round one. So it wouldn't go against the grain of something that they did as early as one year ago. Uh, it, it replaces Tremaine Edmonds, and, and it probably gets rid of your biggest question mark on the defense side of the ball if you do go that route. Have you watched the tape on both these guys at all? Yes, I have. So here's my question, um, because I, I don't watch the tape, but I scour the scouting reports. Okay. And my takeaway from what everybody kind of evaluates these two guys as, okay, Jack Campbell comes in. He's a guy that's been a leader. He's been a three-year starter. Mm-hmm. He's that prototypical middle linebacker. The size is there, the athletic testing. But Drew Sanders kind of feels like the more potential explosive athlete. Is that correct? Or how do you kind of view them? both and what is Brandon Bean what goes into this decision between the two if it does come down to the two well Jack Campbell's agility scores were better than Drew Sanders right and that's what's confused me about the whole thing I see there's this there's this kind of weird comparison going on about Drew Sanders that he's closest to Tremaine Edmonds but the comp is not great because Campbell no 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 Sanders yeah Sanders see now I'm all like World up into a thing because everybody's talking about the size comparable to Edmonds and trying to project that Campbell's almost like this perfect fit in for Edmonds. Everything I I have seen others say has been Drew Sanders is kind of like okay. Edmonds just based on his skill set. Okay, and and you know being able to get sideline to sideline everything like that. Um, but Sanders is also like twenty pounds lighter than Tremaine Edmonds was when he was coming out. About two inches, maybe an inch and a half shorter arms than Tremaine Edmonds like the comp is is not perfect and Jack Campbell I think to me probably is more reminiscent of at least from a Sean McDermott perspective to his boy Luke Keekley and he's training like like you guys put out there um he's training with Luke Keekley and I'm sure there's a bug in Luke Keekley's ear and that bug's name is Sean McDermott right asking what's going on with Jack Campbell um let me ask you this about this side note I want you to get to this point yeah do you think Jack Campbell not end up having a top 30 visit if that's the case. Not all of them are reported. Would that make sense to you knowing that they kind of have a direct line to him in Luke Eakley? Yes and no. Um, just because I do think they they like to get the guys that they're really, really interested in to, to come and meet everybody in the building. And I have found it somewhat odd. And Ryan, you do a great job tracking all of these, by the way. It, it is a, it's bookmarked all day, every day. Um, I have found it very weird that there has not been a single linebacker on any of it, which is, you know, might be something, might be nothing, because, I mean, there's still, what, like 13 unreported um, visits at this point, 30 visits, and they could have had contact, but usually these things start to filter out by now. Like, at this point of the draft process last year, we saw that the Bills were at least talking or had cornerbacks in for visits linebacker hasn't been there so this is just a food for thought thing because i you know i worked myself into like okay linebacker is a legit possibility at 27 just because i think the fit of sanders is good i think the fit of campbell is good it's really just a the flavor that you want of linebacker and for me it's just it's just a little it's just a little odd that there there hasn't been any contact yet so I sent you this clip from a ESPN article last week, and it's interesting wording. Our good buddy Jordan Reed does a great job mm-hmm. for them on the draft. He said in a recent story that both Drew Sanders and Trenton Simpson 
uh, have already visited the Bills. Okay. Now that makes it seem like that's a visit to Buffalo. Yep. But it could also mean they had a Zoom call. They sure. met at the combine. Sure. It's very abstract. So I, I reached out to someone, and to my understanding, it's a combine, and it was poorly worded. They met with them. They visited with them at the combine. So when I first, when you first passed that along to me, I was typing it up into the uh, tracker, and then I reached out to someone. They said, "No, not to our knowledge." Met with both at the combine. So maybe a poorly worded part of the article itself. All right. We're going to get anything else to add on the linebackers? I'm trying to think. I, th I think I'm tapped. Yeah, you nailed it. All right. Uh, we're here at Wing Nuts. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you very much. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel as well. You can catch us every Wednesday night, once a month now, moving forward, right here uh, inside Froth Brewery, the home of Wing Nuts, uh, North Buffalo. Ryan, we got to go to scenario number five here and it's the first one that you sent and it's gonna it's gonna send bill's mafia into a tizzy here because i think there is a big subsection that would be a, a big subsection that would lose their mind but another little subsection that would be super pumped about it Bijan robinson yeah it's the Bijan robinson conversation joe wide receivers are off the board the top playmaker left on the offense side of the ball Bijan robinson falls to number 27 now Again, kind of like what we were talking about with Smith and Jigba earlier in the show. Do I envision this happening? No, I, I, I actually like that fit with the Eagles in the top 10, right at number 10. If he were to fall, though, Joe, is this a pick that Brandon Bean needs to say, hey, this is going to help our offense, this is going to get us maybe one step closer to getting that Super Bowl, or do you pass on a running back by all accounts? See, this is where your positional values are important, but there's also an element of never say never, depending on the prospect. And to me, Bijan Robinson is the never say never sort of prospect in the first round. Now, I'm with you. I think he's gone. And I think there's a chance he's even gone before the Eagles to Atlanta. Makes a lot of sense because they're they're missing uh, they're missing their their bell cow back that that uh, Art Smith had and. and had in uh, had in Tennessee with Derrick Henry, right. so that Bijan Robinson would give him that. But if he's available at twenty-seven, that's a serious conversation to have. And to me, it's it's just you have to weigh the potential impact and what you've done before. I know everyone wants to point out, like, okay, they have invested pick after pick after pick at the running back position. Two of those picks are gone now. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, they're they're vapor; they don't exist anymore. The other one is James Cook, who I know, I know he, he flashed some good ability last year, but between the tackles running, still leaves a bit to be desired in my mind. So, and you also have to factor in last year that they weren't so compelled by James Cook that they had to have him. Right. They traded back. Right. And they felt comfortable with like two or three guys in order to, to move back. Now, might that have changed? Uh, over the course of the year after what they've seen, maybe. But you look at Bijan Robinson and what he can do, three down back potential, obviously, run between the tackles, can absolutely um, cancel out some of the run blocking problems that you have. It's, it's not like a catch-all. Like, he's not going to gain 10 yards every single carry. Like, of course, bad blocking is going to hit him sometimes. But, I mean, this is this caliber of prospect, universally, by guys that we all respect, Dane Brugler, who, work, who works uh, over, over, who's my coworker at the athletic, Daniel Jeremiah. These guys just rave about Bijan Robinson, have him in their top 10, and you have to factor in how good of a prospect is for that one year. And Brandon Bean has never ruled out the idea of taking a running back in the first round. That said, I don't think he'll be there. This is all. This is all a worthless conversation. You greased up that fifteen percent pretty good there, getting them excited. I agree too, because especially in a draft, like all drafts, like you got to remember, there's only so many players that get that top tier billing, that top tier um, evaluation amongst the league. You know, twenty three, twenty four. That's probably the amount of players that you're gonna end up, depending on how many quarterbacks there are at the top of the list. B. John Robinson is a no doubt about it. Everywhere you work, look, everybody you talk to, first round grade. So I agree with you. I don't think he's going to be there at 27. But if he's in, if he's there, you do it. I go back to April when I was, or uh, February, when I was on a show with our good buddy, John Scott. 
And everybody looked at me like I was crazy when I said, if B. John Robinson's there at 27, this is a generational talent at the position. And you've been looking for a running back answer. You still don't have it. I don't care if Josh Allen, you want the offense to be built around him. You take as many weapons as you can find. And I think that he becomes a really elite weapon, not only in the run game, but for Josh Allen. You are talking to the guy who was driving the Brees Hall bus last year. Yes. And and it producer Anthony is a Jets fan. So he was thrilled that he was thrilled to ride the ride, but that (laughs) the Bills fans don't get to ride it. Yes. Well, Brees to me popped on film, but he's not as good as B. John Robinson is as Mm. a prospect. So it, it all comes back to the conversation that Ryan brought up. How many players have first round grades on your board? And if you're at a point at the late first round where those guys are now off the board and you're having to choose from a second round talent in your, on your grading and you can't move back, then that's where the Brees Hall conversation ent- enters everything. But Bijan Robinson is not a second round player. Bijan Robinson is very much a first round. If he was drafted 15 years ago, he is a top five pick. But it's 2023. So there is a bit of a bit of a push back to where it could where he could go, but at the end of the day, I think I think he'll probably be a top ten pick regardless. I don't think he gets past the Eagles. No, I, that's where I have him at. And you know, if that did happen, though, if he did fall, we've all heard Brandon Bean in these podcasts, these radio interviews. Yet there are certain running backs he wouldn't hesitate to draft in the first round. He drafted Christian McCaffrey in the first round. He always name drops Elvin Kamara, who wasn't a first round pick. But there are guys that have certain levels of talent that you just can't pass on, and that's a Bijan Robinson. Yeah, no, scenario number five. All right. Let's let's also not forget he tried to kick the tires on trade talks for both of those guys that you brought up last year with James Cook on the roster. All right, here we go. Next scenario, Jalen Carter. At one point, clear cut, top five pick easily. Also, we should mention Jalen Carter declined interviews with anybody outside the top 10. It's a power move. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it is a power move. We know about the red flags off the field. We know about the unfortunate accident. We also know about coming into his pro day out of shape. If he were to stumble, is this a a spot where the Bills either have to maybe move up a few spots to get him, or or if he's at 27, is this just a no-brainer? Because first few years of this regime, it was culture talk, all about the culture. At this point, if you don't have the culture established, I don't know what you're doing if you're Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. So talent-wise, it seems like a kind of a slam-dunk decision. Yeah, talent-wise, it's it's a no-brainer at that point. I mean, there's Jalen Carter, then there's everyone else at defensive tackle. Um, it, it's to the point where when I was going through my defensive tackle stuff, I didn't even bother watching him because there's, there's just no chance he's going to be there. And if he is, then it's a legit conversation. But it goes back to the culture thing that you bring up but they're also not out on guys that have had some sort of history all depends on what the history is it is what it really boils down to and if they would want to put that type of put that type of character or however you want to term it in their locker room now you know they have had guys in their building who have had off-the-field dust-ups. And it's been the case over the last several years. But I think it's all about getting to know the person. And this is where them being able to have their scouting staff everywhere and talk to people around the program, talk to people around the situation, have their law enforcement contacts good and and ready to go and, and figure out what exactly happened from that perspective. And if that checks out, then you do it. If that doesn't, then they're not going to be the only team that's passing. Interesting thing to me about this offseason, there's a couple little notes I want to touch on real quick before we get to the next scenario. Number one, I wonder how much the Matariza situation has changed their entire approach to the draft. Mm -hmm. In terms of doubling down on what you're talking about, making sure all their sources, all their ducks are in a row, they double-check and triple-check, quadruple-check everything about the players. Now, you can listen a lot about the Matariza stuff. We could get into the weeds on that, of course, but... You know, some of that stuff, it's going to get by you. There is human error baked into this whole process. But I do think in a year removed from everything that this organization went through with that situation, a Jalen Carter situation, unless you, to your point, 
checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. Mm-hmm. I'd be hesitant, even with the talent. And again, I don't think he's going to go to 27, but you get my point. Yeah, uh, I, I totally hear where you're coming from. I, it really all boils down to how comfortable they feel. Like, there's no way of us knowing right. what they feel about Jalen Carter in that sort of situation. I'm sure they're preparing for that very, uh, very circumstance in case it ends up happening. But and you have to do your due diligence on all of these guys with the first round grade, especially after he just had his off the field incident. But I think at the end of the day, it just boils down to how good Bean, Terrence Gray, Brian Gain, Sean McDermott, Terry Pagula, how good they feel about the entire prospect, what they've learned about it. And if they feel like they have a little pit in their stomach, don't do it. But if you feel like, okay, it's just a little bit of a misunderstood situation and you feel like it's a good person that made a mistake, then you do it. Let me try to answer. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. The other point I want to bring up, and I want your, your thoughts on it too, if you want to add them in, I've kind of had my fill for bills fans of humble and hungry. The marching orders of Sean McDermott. They got beat. What's been the directive for the last couple of years from Sean McDermott? We want to win our division. We want to try to be the number one seed because you want teams to come to Buffalo to play you in your house. Well, the team that's not so very humble and hungry came into Buffalo and smacked them around. (laughs) So I'm wondering if maybe you move away a tad bit from that because I think it's also a little bit of a lie. What, what do they all say in the locker room all the time? Oh, we're dogs. We want dogs in this locker room. Dogs aren't humble. They're hungry, but I don't know how humble dogs are. All dogs. Well, there are some humble dogs. Fritz, for instance, is probably very humble. I, I would say Fritz is humble. Yeah. My dog, Walter, not. is not. Okay? <laughs> he is just not. But that's a whole other conversation for another day. <laughs> but do you get what I'm saying here? Yeah. It, maybe you change what you're looking for to your point and allow for a little bit more swagger, if that's the right word. I mean, they do have Stefan Diggs in the locker room. And it's not like there's there's just – I mean, he is humble to a certain degree, but he also knows – he's like, I put in my work. Right. I put in my work to be one of the best in the NFL. So, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a balance here. I just – that Cincinnati game was horrible in every sense. They were outplayed. They looked gassed, and they looked physically and really just emotionally done. In, in that entire game. You look in the sideline, it was just just crickets. I mean, there was no emotion on that sideline. So I don't I don't know if you can if you necessarily want to change the entire operation based on that one game. As big as it was, but this was also and not to give them a cop out by any means because I I'm not I'm not that guy, but understanding what they went through, like we covered it. I was exhausted at the end of that season. I don't know about you. I was tired. Right. You're always tired. tired. I'm always tired. You're always tired. You don't sleep very well. Yeah. Me neither. I know. Okay. Uh, But I was exhausted. Walt, not humble, doesn't let me sleep either. That's a Walt thing? That's a Walter thing. I'm sorry. Um, But, I I mean, we were tired. And them going through that with one of their friends, and not even just that, the cumulative effect of the entire year – like, I don't want to give them a total pass because you need to be more ready for that game. But if we're looking at it, how they finished their season, those last three games that they played after the DeMar Hamlin game, New England, they were on the precipice of almost losing that game. Naheem Hines bailed them out twice. Miami, if they have like two or three of their starters in that game, you have to wonder if Miami pulls that up. Cincinnati, they just... They were healthy-ish, except for the offensive line. They were great offensively. They had a great defensive plan for them, and the Bills just looked like they were not competitive whatsoever. So I wouldn't change the entire structure just based on that one-off. We've talked We've talked a lot about that. I just want to get his thoughts on it. So we, we, we went through uh, four and five. I want to start with you on scenario six. Everybody's available. All of the receivers, all of the tight ends, Darnell Wright, Nolan Smith at edge rusher, maybe even Miles Murphy. Let's throw him into the mix. So dream scenario here, dream 27. And I'm not talking about the guys that are, you know, you know, they're going to be gone. I'm talking about dream pick at 27. 
Who do you got? I'm going back to Darnell Wright. And again, Joe made some great points about the fact that maybe the Bills really do believe in Spencer Brown, but he's that guy that at 27 stands out on my board if he's available. Uh, he's a uh, day one starter at right tackle. It moves Spencer Brown to your swing tackle. You let him compete at camp, but realistically, from what I've seen on tape from, from Wright, he's the guy that would, I would expect to be starting. Now I think Josh Allen has more confidence in his line. Uh, I feel like there was a lot of times last year, Matt, where Allen kind of moved out of the pocket before he had to, and I think a lot of that had to do with the lack of confidence he had in the players in front of him. So bolstering that line, to me, is where I go with that scenario. I'm going to be boring and say I don't think a dream scenario exists here because I don't know that there, there's just like a, a top-flight talent that someone could come in and, and just absolutely wow them, like save maybe Bijan Robinson. I think he would be the one that would make the most impact in year one of any of these guys that we're talking about. I think I think if it's me, Jackson Smith and Jigba is, is great. There's something about Jordan Addison in that fit that is just very alluring to me in how he can fit in in year one, how he can fit in down the line, how they can be a bit more unpredictable with him, with him on the offensive side of things. And... You know, you're still getting that separation. You're still getting that that run after catch. You're, you know, he's a bit of a smaller guy, but I don't know. There's something about him, and yes, his skill set is a little bit duplicate of Stefan Diggs, but that's not a bad thing because Diggs can separate like crazy. That's what they value. They value they value separation. They value catching ability. He's got all of that. He's got the production. Won the Belitnikov as a sophomore for Pitt, receiving for uh, for Kenny Pickett. So. To me, I, he's he's someone that kind of stands out to me. Although, personally, I like Jackson Smith and Jigma more. I think Addison might be a slightly better fit just based on playing both outside and inside. I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball. He might very well be gone by 27 when the draft comes. But Dalton Kincaid, the tight end, is somebody that's interesting to me. And when you hear whispers, I, had the, I did my mock draft. We're going to talk about... Um, tradebacks in a second. I had them taking Darnell Washington, the absolute freak tight end from Georgia. But Kincaid is interesting because you know how much Brandon Bean covets what A, they don't have, and mm -hmm. B, what they see from other teams. And the whispers that I was talking about are some of the evaluators, at least on the media side, whispering Travis Kelsey into the ears of the listeners when they're talking about Dalton Kincaid. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I'm curious... Does he have a fit in this offense in your eyes, number one? And number two, with Dawson Knox on the roster? Because I think Washington's a little bit different in the sense that you're almost getting a sixth offensive lineman in the way that he could potentially be used as a blocker. But Kincaid, what do you think of the player? I know there's the back injury that he seems to be all good for. And do you think that could potentially be a dream scenario at 27? Here's how I'm looking, and and I hear what you're saying about Dalton Kincaid. He's, a, he's an absolutely – really good prospect near the top of one of the better tight end groups that we've seen in a while. The entire tight end conversation to me goes to, okay, you have Dawson Knox signed for how long? The next four years? Yeah. Over the next four years, if you are taking a tight end in the first round this year, if Dawson Knox is healthy, how many snaps, what snap percentage per game is that player getting? 30. At best. At best. So if you're taking a first-round pick and you're just saying, okay, 30% player, isn't that a kind of a, a wasted wasted uh, variable here? Couldn't you otherwise find a tight end in the third, maybe fourth round and who does a lot of similar things, blocking? And there's there's going to be guys here where where they can they can find someone that's really good. I just don't know that it's worth it. Even though they want to run more 12 personnel, they do. Two tight ends, it's something they tried to do with Quentin Morris. Couldn't do it, he couldn't block. So they need an upgrade there. But does that have to be a first-round pick? I would argue that is more of a luxury pick by 10 to B. John Robinson. Ooh, spicy. That's 30% 30, 30 offensive snaps. 30% offensive snaps for, yeah. for a tight end. And that's, that's at best. I just, I just don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze, Matty P. 
And that's fair. This is an extremely deep tight end class. There are guys on day two, day three that you can get in here. Shoemaker, uh, Koontz are just two guys that come to mind that I think can come in and, and fill a need for this team. Laporta seems to be climbing a, a fast riser. He is, he is uh, probably, I mean, I've seen late round one, but I think round two is probably where he goes. Uh, Michael Mayer could even fall out around one, but there are guys on day two, early day three of this draft that I think the Bills could go and get as that number two tight end. We had a fan come out to uh, Wing Nuts tonight. Uh, met him a little while ago. Gary from Atlanta brought his girlfriend here as well. Uh, it was ni- nice chat we had with him back there. And he does a great Ryan Talbot impression. <laughs> he did it. He did the Ryan Talbot impression right over here. What was the impression? Uh, no, I'm trying to remember the, the, something like that. That's right, Matt. Well said, Matt. Well said, Matt. That's, <laughs> that's what Ryan says usually after everything that I says. And you know what I told Gary? Ryan's never wrong. <laughs> never wrong. All right, we're inside uh, Froth Brewery, Wing Nuts. Um, start of a beautiful relationship. I talked about it at the beginning there. Now the Chicken Wing sponsor of Shout. Buffalo Bills football podcast. The last scenario is here, and it's the trade back scenario. Mm-hmm. Number one, I want feel your feeling on the trade back in general, the likelihood that there might be teams interested in it to begin with, and then also, what are you looking for in that thirty to forty-five range if that's where you kind of end up moving back to? I think this is where we get to the linebacker conversation personally. Because it almost feels like 27 is just a touch too early, but 59 is a touch too late for those two guys. And and to me, there's only two. I know some people say, okay, Trenton Simpson, Clemson, good. I just don't know if he has the size, the functional strength to deal with what they need him to deal with at middle linebacker. I was going to say, is he a definitive Mike in the NFL? I think I think he's an outside guy in gotcha. myself, but you know, it, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Right. Um, that's where the linebacker conversation comes in, and also. We just talked about tight end. 27, perfect trade-up spot for tight end to get ahead of Cincinnati. They just signed Irv Smith to one-year deal. That's really like ho-hum. He, he's, it's just kind of a prove-it deal. They're, they're not really super committed to him. They could use a tight end for, for that offense after Hayden Hurst just walked out. Right. So that's a spot, and they want to continue to hammer that offense and, and continue to build up that offense with Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, and, and Jamar Chase. So I could absolutely see someone going, all right, well, we're not going to get Darnell Washington if Cincinnati's on the board. So let's go up and get him. So if, if I'm the Bills, I think the latest I would go back, I, I'm looking at the Raiders. Like 38 is, is the perfect little range right there to where you're getting out of the first round, but you're probably gaining third-round pick, maybe a fourth and some lates. And that, to me, would be worth it for a – calculated risk of moving back just a handful of spots odds are you're going to have one of those linebackers on the board if that's who you covet and then you can continue to build your roster with an extra piece that could become a starter down the line i like it i wasn't thinking about the tight end trade up that's why we brought joe pascal here from the athletic on the shop buffalo football podcast yeah that the raiders Rams, seahawks area that's where i would be looking for in terms of trading back in round two Tight end's a great point. I've, we've been looking at it from the quarterback perspective, a Hendon Hooker, for instance, because the value of getting that fifth-year option on a quarterback, there's a, a quarterback needy team like the Rams who kind of just trade away draft picks like Candy and other teams that might want that guy that, uh, that fall into the Bills' laps. That's where you trade down if you're Buffalo because you don't need a quarterback. Some other teams do, and then you can get that linebacker. You can get an offensive weapon. Uh, for Josh Allen, because you're going to have two of those second-round picks. You're going to, you might get an extra, or, or however it works out, you're going to get a, at least an extra day-two pick in this scenario. And I think three players that could potentially come right in and contribute might be re, uh, better in Buffalo's eyes than staying put at 27, considering who's there when, when it comes up to their pick. One other thing, defensive tackle is another good spot for that that uh, mid-30s to late-30s range. Like Mozzie Smith would be would be good right there. Talk about a guy like Keanu Benton from Wisconsin, who I really like for, for their scheme. Uh, Jervon Dexter from Florida. He might be available at 59, but probably not, just because these guys are going to go in, in that sort of range. Um, so that is another thing to consider in general. But I think for the most part, you also have to go back to Brandon Bean wanting a full bank of picks. Right. And that this would accomplish that. For a minor step back, if you don't feel like there's a first-rounder on the board, trade back. You have to have someone wanting to come up, like you pointed out. But... Hendon Hooker, one of the tight ends, one of the pass rushers maybe. Somebody's 
going to want something at that point to move up ahead of Cincinnati to make sure Cincinnati doesn't get their guy. Final thoughts, Ryan Talbot. This has been another amazing night out here at Wing Knots. We've got a comment here. John, standing there that long, my damn feet and back would be hurting. They need chairs. No, I like standing up. You know, got to invest in good kicks, man. Yeah, those are some nice kicks, actually. But here's the thing. When I was um, back when I worked at the UFC, 300 people in the office, right? They, while in my time there, they started to give people those rising desks. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I just got one. You got one for the home? Yes. Office. Corner, rising desk. Uh, it, it, uh, it goes up by itself. You press a button, rises up. How right much up. time a day do you spend typing standing? I'm probably on my feet, I want to say like, and I've only done this for like, I got it last week. Oh, so, wow. Great timing. I know. I was probably up probably 65 to 70% of the day. Wow. And then when I need a break, I would sit. Were your dogs barking? Or was that just Fritz? He doesn't bark. Okay. He, he, well, no, he barks, ah. at, he barks at the when the mail van comes through. Okay. But that's about it. Okay. Come over and see Walter. We'll talk about barking. All right. Final thought, Ryan Talbot. Yeah, final thought. Draft season's the best time of year. Can't wait for it to take place. Can't wait to see where this relationship with Wing Nuts goes as well, Matt. Really excited. They're the official chicken wing of Shout, the Buffalo Bills football podcast. Some of the best chicken wings in Buffalo. And I, I think I saw on my boy AJ's Instagram, it's restaurant week coming up. And they got all types of cool things they're going to be unveiling. For Joe Biscalia, you can find him at Joe Biscalia on Twitter. He does it all over at theathletic.com. He's Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. We're getting closer. Nine days. See you on Wednesday. Take care, everybody.